0: Hey friends, I'm Michael Kingswood, and it's Story Saturday. And as promised, we're moving on with the next story in Stories from the Great Challenge. This is number 29. If you don't remember, Stories from the Great Challenge is uh, 52 stories that I wrote over the course of the year as part of a writing challenge. Um, Today we are doing number 29, which is a short fantasy story called Warden's Trial. It's about a guy who's up for his final exam to become part of the Queen's Wardens. It's kind of fun. I wrote it. I'm reading it. We'll get right to it, because I don't want to waste your time. I'll talk to you on the flip side. Enjoy! The humid air seemed to drag and flail, resisting being inhaled, as Patros made his way down from his little cell in the trainee's barracks and across the carefully trimmed field of grass toward the testing ring. Five years he'd been here at the Marshall Academy... Five years of running and jumping and studying and sweating and pushing rocks and sparring and taking beatings and giving them back, all leading up to this day. Today, he was to prove his mettle and be allowed to join the ranks of the Queen's Wardens. Or he would be sent north to the farmlands away from the border with the Josian Empire, there to tend the fields that produced the food for the warriors who patrolled, fought, bled, and died to keep the Empire from gobbling them all up. Patras had done his share of tilling and planting. It was tough, necessary, noble work, but it wasn't for him. So as his sandaled feet pressed down on the short strands of grass and the testing ring drew nearer, he found he was bursting with nervous energy. His arms and legs were quivering, and his stomach was doing leapfrogs in his belly. Sweat dripped down the back of his neck, making the rough fabric of his blue trainee's jerkin stick to his torso. But that was mostly from the warmth and the humidity. Or at least that's what he told himself. The testing ring was familiar. He'd sparred inside it countless times over the years since he first arrived here, before his voice had even thought about cracking into manhood and when his arms were spindle-thin. Now he was sixteen, a man in all but name, but as he approached the brown-stained wooden fence surrounding the dirt of the ring, the gate nearest him opened invitingly. He felt the same eleven-year-old he had been way back when he'd first set foot on the Marshall Academy's campus. A number of other trainees were lining the outside of the fence. There always were spectators for sparring sessions, but especially for the final trial. They stood in clumps divided by age ranges. Most were in the year below Patros, boys who knew their time was coming and who were beginning to feel the pressure. But there were a few from the youngest class as well. One, a sandy-haired lad whose head barely touched Patros's chest, was standing just off to the side of the gate. As Patros passed, the boy said good luck in a voice that cracked slightly at the end there. Patros gave him a smile that he hoped was confident, then he stepped into the ring. Someone closed the gate behind him, and he heard the clack of the latch coming down distinctly, even above the murmur from a dozen conversations among the spectators all around. Someone else said something over to the left, triggering soft chuckling from his group, but their humor washed over Patros without touching him. Across the ring, through its other entrance, his foe for the trial was entering, Tall, broad-shouldered, and well-tanned, with a shaved head and closely cropped black goatee. He was bare to the waist, revealing bulging muscles and a puckered scar that went from his left shoulder to right hip, the leavings of some battle back before Patros was even born. Seeing him, Patros's heart sank and his confidence already mostly just propped up, wilted. Carmack. Why did it have to be Carmack? The instructor stopped three paces inside his own gate and looked Patros up and down, his expression blank, though his eyes were probing. After a few seconds that felt to Patros like an hour, Carmack spoke. Patros Ingleton, you are called to prove your worth to the Queen. How will you answer? Carmack put a little extra bass inflection in his words as he said them, a trick he had learned from his own mentor twenty-some years before. It added a bit of gravitas to the moment and a bit of extra intimidation. And even after all this time, he was still was amazed how well it worked. Across the ring from him, the trainee visibly drew a deep breath to steel himself. He usually did that. Everyone got nerves, but Patros always seemed to feel them a bit more deeply. Not that he had ever let them stay his hand. If he had, Carmack's peers and the staff never would have allowed him to remain at the academy, let alone recommend him for the trial. Carmack still wished he wouldn't show it so much, though. Still, when the lad made his response, the slightly higher than baritone of his voice, supposedly he was quite a singer, though Carmack hadn't heard him, was steady, his tone resolved, and completely descript to fulfill the formality of the trial. I answer with muscle and steel and will that will not break. Carmack nodded. Then choose your steel, and show your will. With that, the instructor turned to his right, where a rack of weapons stood waiting. Patros would have an identical selection on his side of the ring. The sunlight shone brightly off the steel blades, swords and daggers, hammers and axes. All were blunted for training, but even with that, they could injure or kill. That was not the intent, of course, but it had happened. Carmack picked up his favored weapon, a battle axe with a broad crescent moon blade on one side and a spike, blunted into a round nub on the training model on the other. The leather wrapping the handle was worn, but still gave good grip, and he took a couple of swings to loosen his shoulder. It felt good in his hands, and Carmack had to stop himself from smiling at the little rush that he always got when hefting it. It was like recovering a part of himself. When he looked back to Patros, the lad had selected a bastard sword, a blade of comparable length with a standard longsword, but with a hilt side so he could grip it with both hands if he wished. He did so now, his wiry body turned slightly to his right shoulder, back from his left, and his weight balanced on the balls of his feet. The blunted tip of his sword pointed toward Carmack's eyes, and his mouth was compressed into a determined scowl that didn't quite hide the nerves he clearly still felt. Well, he'd sweat those nerves out quickly enough. Are you ready? Asked Carmack. Patros heard the words, but it was more like he felt them. The import of their meaning struck his soul, and for a moment he could not answer. Carmack. He should have known it would be him. Patros had sparred with every member of his class and faced all the instructors at one point or another in his training. Against his classmates, he had always done well. Against the instructors, not so much. Until recently. Recently, he found he was able to hold his own, and sometimes prevail. Except with Carmack. He had only ever faced him in the ring twice. Memories of those thrashings had left him red-faced for weeks. The other instructors told him there was no shame in his losses. Even the other instructors lost to Carmack more often than not. But now, here Carmack was. The obstacle between Patros and his manhood and entry into the Wardens. The one man he'd never been able to come close to besting. Might as well give up and go north now, save the pain and the humiliation. Patros snarled inwardly, forcing that voice of doubt down. He may end up being sent north, but if that was his fate, he'd meet it straight on like a man. He forced I am out in as clear and steady a tone as he could. The words had barely left his mouth, and Carmack was on him. The instructor closed the distance between them at a speed that Patros almost couldn't believe, and he had faced the man and watched him in the ring before. His axe swept through the air toward Patros's neck, and he was only just able to duck beneath it. A riposte was out of the question, unbalanced as he was, but he tried anyway, his sword cleaving only air in the instructor's wake. Patros backpedaled, parrying another attack as Carmack came on again, a low cut this time. But before he could move his sword for his own counter, Carmack twisted his wrist and the axe caught on his blade, forcing it away. And then Carmack was twisting his entire body in the opposite direction, and the instructor's sandal foot caught him in the side, and he staggered away, sudden pain making his vision go red for a second as he frantically worked his feet to stop himself from falling. This was not going well at all. But it should have been. The boy was better than this. Recovered from his kick and stalking forward toward the still stone trainee, Carmack was tempted to ease up, allow Patros to regain his equilibrium before coming at him again, but he could not. There would be no quarter in battle against the Empire, and he would be doing Patros no favors showing any here. Inwardly, he screamed for Patros to right himself and fend off the attack he was about to send. Outwardly, he snarled out a death cry as he raised his axe and brought it down toward the back of the boy's neck. He was sure it was going to land and end Patros's trial in dishonor and defeat. Instead, the boy got his sword up at the very last second, coming in behind the swing of his axe and knocking it upward just enough that it passed over his head harmlessly. Then he countered with a backswing that made Carmack have to leap backward and exhale loudly to avoid being cut across the ribs. That was better. He landed to find Patros was advancing with a thrust toward his belly. Carmack went to knock it away with his axe, but the thrust had been a feint and Carmack found himself having to duck the true attack. Much better. Patros came on again, Willing the pain in his side to silence as Carmack backed away again. He was too quick, too strong. Patros knew his only chance lay in taking and keeping the initiative. So he kept on, attack after attack after attack. Carmack avoided them all, but he continued to retreat, and Patros began to lose some of the crushing doubt that had almost done him in so early in the fight. He still didn't know how he'd managed to make the parry that had started his assault, and he didn't care. Analysis could come later. Now, attack. And again. And again, Carmack avoided Patros' blade, but this time he reversed his swing instead of continuing it, and the nub that normally would have been a spike came hurtling toward Patros's eye. He ducked his shoulder and hit the ground, rolling to his feet and spinning away from a proper axe cut, then flicked his own blade Carmack's way. The instructor retreated a half-step, then began circling to his right, both hands on the half of his axe. His eyes twinkled in the sun and sweat ran down his bare torso, but his breathing was slow and steady his steps smooth and even. He began spinning the axe in his hands, turning the haften blade over and over in the air in front of his body, almost the way a man would with a quarterstaff, and his lips turned upward ever so slightly. Licking his lips with a tongue that was dry despite the sweat running freely down his own body, Patros retreated in time with Carmack's circle, his eyes locked on the instructors. He knew better than to be taken in by the spectacle of the axe flourishes. It would be the eye that announced the next attack but it was difficult not to look down, even if just for a second the boy's eyes dropped and Carmack surged forward, driving the half of his axe straight forward toward his belly. As expected, the boy dropped his blade down to block the attack away, so Carmack flipped the axe over, removing the half from the path of Patrus' parry and dropping the blade down toward the boy's shoulder from above. Patrus' eyes widened and he twisted his torso, releasing the grip on his sword with his left hand so as to remove his shoulder from the path of the cut. As Carmack's axe passed harmlessly through the air, he felt an impact on the side of his head, where the skull met the neck. Now it was the instructor's turn to go reeling. Patros was actually surprised as struck landed. He hadn't actually meant to do it, he was only reacting from the desperation to avoid being cut by the axe. But when he twisted to get out of the way, his sword arm came up and... This wasn't the time to congratulate himself, though he surely wanted to. He could count the times he'd been able to land a blow against Carmack before on one finger. Focus, the instructor had staggered forward two steps, and Patros advanced toward his exposed back. A thrust would have been fitting, but his sword was low from the follow-through of the pommel strike, so he cut upward from the left. Carmack felt the trainee coming, a mixture of decades of fighting instincts mixed with his own senses telling him exactly what was going on behind himself. His vision was blurry from the unexpected strike, and his ears rang, but he long ago learned to trust his instincts even when he couldn't think to do so. He surged forward and felt the air displaced by the trainee's sword as it just barely missed his exposed back. Then he rounded on Patros, raising his axe back up to a guard. Carmack was swaying on his feet. He could feel it. and he had to blink, not to see a double image of his foe. He had backed off when Carmack turned around, falling back into a defensive stance. Through the blurry vision and lack of equilibrium, Carmack noted that and anger reared up within him. Not anger at the blow. He'd taken plenty of those over the years but anger over Patros' timidity. The pup could have done him in if he'd just fully committed. Now, giving his head a quick shake to clear his senses, Carmack charged forward on the attack. Patros retreated, parrying the instructor's blow and inwardly cursed at himself. This could be over now. It should be over now. Grinding his teeth, he parried another blow, then another, and retreated faster. Carmack was coming on with the same blurring speed he'd used in his initial press, and there was something like rage on his face. It made Patros' belly go liquid, and he felt the first real quivers of fear. He'd never been truly afraid of the instructors before. He'd known from the start that they were not out to intentionally harm him, however cruel they may have seemed at any particular moment. But now, he'd landed a blow, something Carmack had almost never allowed him to do before. bruised the instructor's ego. Now he was going to make Patros pay for that slight. The fear grew strong, and blow after blow came at him, and he could tell his reactions were slowing because of it but he couldn't force it down. In desperation, he repeated the mental chants that would guide one's mind to stillness, but it would not come. Another strike, and another. Then a high cut met his parry, and his sword became entwined in the notch between the axe's blade and its haft. The angle was wrong, so he couldn't pull the blade back, and it was only the strength of his arm and shoulder against the weight of Carmack's body and weapon, and the instructor bore down and pressed. Slowly, inexorably, the entwined blades inched downward, and the axe blade approached Patros's face. The boy's cheeks puffed outward as he breathed in and out in quick, exhausted heaves, and his eyes were wide with exertion and fright. He saw the end of his trial coming, and with it the end of his hopes, and the strength of his shoulder alone was not enough to stop it. There were half a dozen ways Patros could get out of this situation that Carmack could think of without difficulty, but the instructor could tell he was frazzled locked into just this one struggle. That would be his undoing. Don't give up, boy. Think and move. Carmack continued to press. Patros had moved both hands to the grip of his sword and it still wasn't doing any good. His arms were quivering from exertion and he was beginning to become overbalanced. Carmack's press was forcing him backward farther than his back wanted to bend. He was going to fall and then the instructor would get him and the trial would be over and he would be sent north. All his labor all of the discomfort, the downright pain of the last five years would be for naught. Carmack's face loomed over his, beyond their interlocked weapons. He could practically feel the man's breath, smell the stink of his sweat. He pressed all the harder, and from the grimly determined set of his jaw and the glint in his eyes, he knew Carmack intended to finish him, now. No! Patros heard himself shout. Without thinking, he reversed his direction. Where before, he had been pressing against the instructor's press, now he went with it ducking his shoulder and twisting his torso even as he crouched down. Carmack made a grunt of surprise and then he went stumbling off to the right, thrown by the force of his own press. Patros's sword was yanked from his hands. It flew away from him to land on the dirt several feet away. But he didn't look to it, only to the instructor who'd gone down to one knee, left hand pressed to the dirt to stop himself from falling completely. No time to get his sword. Patros had to press the advantage now. He charged forward, then leapt. The trainee's weight struck Carmack as he was just beginning to regain his balance and rise. The unexpected force knocked him down fully. He landed on his side and rolled, but then found himself unable to move, as Patros was atop him, forcing his shoulders to the ground with his knees as his fist came up. Carmack worked hard not to cringe as the punch came down. He didn't succeed for the second one. The third punch made Patros' knuckles scream, but he threw another one. Carmack's nose was flattened across his cheek and his eye was welling shut, but the battle fury was on Patros and he forced his aching fist to ball again. He raised it, and something caught his hand before he could let the punch fly. He looked to the right and saw Thomas, another of the instructors. Short and thin, he was whipped fast, both in wit and limb. He usually wore a jolly smile, but now his expression was grave. Enough, Thomas said. For a second, Patros actually fought against him, but then he tightened his grip. "'Enough,' Thomas said again, with a cold tone of command that could not be disobeyed. Patros relaxed and sat back, then pushed himself up and off of the prone Carmack. He stepped, no, stumbled, a couple paces away, and only then noticed the absolute hush that had fallen over the spectators. One and all, they were looking at him with expressions ranging from shock to amazement to awe. Patros found he could hardly breathe, but whether from the weight of those stairs or from the absolute exertion of his trial, he did not know.' Hell, he didn't even know whether the trial was over or not. Thomas had halted it, but would it recommence? Or would he be sent north after all? Over where he had fallen, Carmack was getting to his feet, aided by Thomas. The big instructor looked like hell. He felt like hell, too. Carmack had taken many a punch in his time. He'd had his nose broken a time or two, but he couldn't remember such a pummeling from so few blows before. The boy must really have been worked up, and no wonder. It was the most important event in his life, so far. Carmack waved off Thomas's fretting over him, then he turned toward Patros. The trainee was trembling visibly, his chest heaving and his eyes haunted, like he wasn't sure what had just happened or what would come next. Carmack knew that feeling. He took a moment to crunch his nose a bit better back into place, wincing at the pain of it but knowing it would have to be done. Then he took a step toward Patros, who unconsciously retreated a half-step in response. Smiling, Carmack raised his hands, palms out, and said the ritual words. "'Patros Singleton, you have proved your will. And your skill.' The words swept over Patros, and a feeling of relief went with them, followed by a sense of wonder. "'Was this real? Now join us as a brother, Warden,' Carmack said, and he held out his right hand to him. Patros grasped the instructor's forearm and felt the other man's hand do the same to his. The vice-like grip was somehow also gentle, companionable. Carmack's grin grew a bit more broad, actually companionable, for the first time Patros had ever seen.' Then he said in a lower tone that didn't carry past the two of them, You scared the hell out of me for a second there. Thought you were going to quit. He shook his head. Glad you didn't. More loudly, Carmack said, I don't know about you, but I need an ale. Releasing Patros's arm, he clapped him on the shoulder, then turned away, toward the gate he had initially entered through. Patros watched him go, still unable to process all that had just happened for a moment. Carmack must have sensed he hadn't moved because he looked back and raised an eyebrow, the one over the eye that was quickly growing completely black from Patros' bunches. Coming? Patros nodded, then moved to walk with his instructor. No, with his new brother. He felt his lips turning upward into a smile. Part wonder, part relief, part pride, and part anticipation. A new world, a new life awaited. He stepped forward eagerly to meet it. All right, all's well that ends well. Always like a good coming of age, write of passage story that ends well. hoo ya! off to do great things for queen and country. Yay! Yeah, so that's, uh, hope you like that one. I liked writing it. It's, uh, another one of those, uh, floating viewpoint, uh, point of views that I have experimented with over the, over the months. Uh, because it's, uh, more advanced way of doing it. little fairly easy to screw up if you don't do it right. And I think we did okay on this one. Um, yeah, I like the story a lot. Hopefully you did too. Now to belabor the point. I've got a lot of stuff to do today. So I'm just going to keep this one short. I uh, hope you guys are having a great weekend. Uh, make sure you like these videos and like these podcasts. Subscribe to them all. Tell your friends. And make sure you go to mykingswoodcom store to purchase not just each individual story that we're doing but also the entire collection you can of course go to amazon bars noble cobalt or all those other places better to come to me because i get more profit and we have a direct relationship with the with the artist and the customer much better than going through a middleman especially when the middlemen tend to be tech companies who have a tendency to be capricious so yeah do that um and definitely come back um already told you to subscribe make sure you if you want to learn more about new releases not besides just coming and uh watching these videos listening to these podcasts all the time go by com. you can sign up for the newsletter and uh generally uh, I get word from me that way I do not send much out in the newsletter I'm I hate being spammed by newsletters constantly and frankly i probably don't send enough stuff to the newsletter um i'm bad at it but it's there and when i have things to announce i will announce it through there as well as through here and on the blog and other places too but um do, do 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 that and come back next week next week we're going to be doing story number 30 from the same great challenge story number 30 is on the road to hope fell this gets back to science fiction it's a post-apocalyptic um wasteland kind of story which is a little grim but i liked it you probably will too um so yeah have a great rest of the weekend have a great week i'll talk to you next saturday until then don't do anything i wouldn't do thanks for listening to story time with michael kingswood for information on my books visit michaelkingswood.com. Or visit my web store at ssnstorytelling.com. My books are all available through all the various e-tailers, but buying direct from me nuts me the most profit. For information on new releases and other special deals in the future, sign up for my newsletter on my website. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is Copyright of Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music is copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved.